Welcome to our study of Hebrews chapter 4, a chapter about rest. The first ten verses are about the life of rest. Beginning with verse 11 through 13, we have the command to rest, and then the final section is the high priest of our rest. And that, of course, is Jesus Christ. Now, the writer began this chapter on the subject of fear. He said, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest remains, let us fear, lest any of you be judged to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, just as to them, but the message which they heard did not benefit them, because it did not meet with faith in the hearers. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, quote, as I swore in my wrath, they shall never enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, the writer apparently is concerned. He's getting the attention of the Hebrews by the word fear, that they may have failed to reach the place of spiritual rest by believing in Jesus Christ. And fear suggests the possibility that People who say they believe in God may not have believed. It's possible for me to say, I believe in the Bible, and I believe in Christ, and then it's possible for me to demonstrate that I don't by asking God for a sign of my salvation. Oh, that's such a subtle form of unbelief. Another is claiming to believe and then asking God to forgive me my sins. Well, the promise of both Peter and Paul, the chief apostles, was that the forgiveness of sins comes to everyone who does nothing other than believe in Christ. Now, verse 1 isn't applied to the church, but to each of us. Salvation, you see, is not a corporate matter. It is personal. God won't ask you on that day of judgment if you are a Presbyterian or a Catholic there won't be any denominations there. The people who make it to heaven will be believers. And I want to call your attention to the fact that in verse 1, we have the mention of promise. There is a promise of entering his rest. And in verse 2, there are parallels, Israel and the believer. Israel heard the good news, and so did people who came under the influence of the gospel. And the purpose of believing is to enter into his rest. Now, in verse 3, who can enter his rest? The answer comes in the first two verses, and also the last verse of the previous chapter, which reads, So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. And the end of verse 2 tells us, because there was no faith in regard to what they heard. Now, those who enter the rest are those who believe the promise of God. And that is something past, if you have believed. It's a response which we made when the gospel was heard, and we knew we needed it, and we knew we were lost without it, and so we trusted in the promise of God concerning what Christ did for us. But the author shows concern here, in verse 3, for the Jews in his day, and he cites Psalm 95, 
verse 11. As I swore in my wrath, they shall never enter my rest. David wrote that some 300 years after Joshua took the people into the land of Canaan. And the rest is spiritual, not physical. We learn that God's salvation means rest because we had to stop working for it in order to get it. Where does the Bible say a thing like that? Well, it's in Romans chapter 4, verse 5. But to him who works not, but believes him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. You see, the rest is a gift from God. He wants us all to have it, and he works, but we don't. What do we do if we don't work? We believe instead. Rest means no longer depending on your own efforts, and it means security. Can you have rest without it? Without security, that is? I think not, because you would have constant concern. Now, even retirement means rest, and some of you, like myself, have retired from our jobs. It's an enjoyment, this retirement, based on what has been accomplished. And it is reserved for us as long as we live. Rest is the inheritance of those who believe also. It is equivalent to eternal salvation. When the Lord is your shepherd, you will not crave satisfaction. You will have it, for you will rest in his care of you. And David wrote, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Are you wanting something spiritual? Or are you claiming what God has already promised you through faith alone? Abraham, in his great test at Mount Moriah, offered his only son, Isaac, according to the request of the Lord. In it he showed his rest in God, He believed the promises were God's problem. You see, God had promised him descendants like the stars of heaven and the sand of the sea. But he had no children. And then God miraculously gave him and Sarah, and Abraham was a hundred years old at the time, he gave them a son. His name was Isaac. And then later, when the lad was some 14 or 15 perhaps, God told Abraham to take him to Mount Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice, and Abraham believed God, and he obeyed God. He's the one who had promised Abraham that through this son Isaac there would be an untold number of descendants, and now God is telling him to sacrifice the son? Well, that's God's business, and that's God's problem, so Abraham complied And Abraham believed that if the son were sacrificed there, as he was told to do, that then God, who can't lie, would have to raise him from the dead, and life would go on. So he took Isaac, and he bound him, and he put him on that altar, and he was ready to plunge the knife into that boy when he was stopped by the Lord. Abraham passed the test. He did believe God, and he was willing to do whatever God said. That's how much he believed. 
He wasn't trying to figure out how it would be possible to have so many descendants if he killed the one from whom those descendants would come. That was God's problem. And the person today who is believing the gospel should not be concerned about how God is going to raise the dead, although we have instruction on that, and how God can possibly give eternal life the grace way. We have instruction on that also. He's content to believe that God, who cannot lie, has promised us eternal life. Now, to rest means accomplishment. It's the joy of fulfillment. It's satisfaction and the end of striving. And Christians are people who, although they may be busy for God, they are not busy trying to earn their salvation. They are resting in it. Now, verse 3 tells us how to get that rest, and it's by faith alone. It says, For we who have believed enter that rest. Those who won't believe are described as having hardened hearts. They constantly want more evidence from God. The promise doesn't seem to be enough. His word to them is insufficient. Paul wrote that the Thessalonians received the word as the word of God, not as of men. And that indeed was a noble statement. They were believing that what Paul preached to them had come right from God. They weren't saying this is Paul's opinion. When we believe God's word, his covenant, his promises, we honor God. Such reminders express reliance on him and his sure word. It's the word of the Lord which endures forever. David does this in Psalm 119 where every passage speaks of the word of God. The expression, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob reflects the acceptance of the unwavering promises which God made to these patriarchs. Now that's a God-honoring proclamation to say, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now listen to Jeremiah in Lamentations chapter 3. Quote, But this I called to mind, and therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Therefore, God promises us a rest. We believe him, and then we enter that rest. For we who have believed enter that rest, the writer says in verse 3. He said, those who have believed, not those who try to hold out to the end, not to those who try to endure or make some religious effort, not those who go to church, but those who have believed. Now, perhaps you can better understand why I constantly talk about the necessity of believing, because the Bible emphasizes it. Ninety-eight times in the Gospel of John, this word believe is used, and it is always connected to the promises of God. Now, the author makes reference to the creation at the end of verse 3, and in verse 4, he refers to the seventh day. Let me read that again. For we who have believed enter that rest 
as he has said, As I swore in my wrath they shall never enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Now the question that comes to mind is, why does he refer to the seventh day? What's his purpose here? I think it is to confirm that the spiritual rest which God has planned for all mankind began in Genesis 2 and continues to be available through all the ages. It tells us that God rested. You see, it is His rest we enter. And Hebrews 4.10 confirms this. Let me jump ahead and read that. For whoever enters God's rest also ceases from his labors as God did from his. The Creator here was revealing in the Old Testament that God would finish everything for man and rest would be for him as it was with God. God's accomplishments and the satisfaction and the completion of all things was a rest. And when people won't accept that, they see only the law prohibiting work on the seventh day. And that misses the point of creation. Well, we want to say more about this, but our time won't permit it today. I hope you'll join me here tomorrow. All this teaching on the book of Hebrews is available on cassette tape. Write for our brochure entitled Teaching Tapes. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.